As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. No, dear friend, that's not a mirage up ahead of you. There's water just days away. Or, or in fact, depending on when you're listening to this edition of Times Ours right here on The Athletic, you may have witnessed some real counting NFL football already with Bill's Rams. But, oh, my friends, it's finally here. Mm. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs versus Kyler Murray. And honestly, I'm not sure how many other players <laughs> on that team are healthy right now. And the Arizona Cardinals. We made it! This is a game preview season preview uh, episode. Get out of here, rosters. Get out of here, training camp. Preseason. This is it. We've made it, my friends. I'm so very happy to be here. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. I have to imagine you're feeling the good vibes today. It's it's here. I man, we got all, we got it all back, kids. We got it all. We got red zone. We got Thursday night extravaganzas. We got locker rooms. We got uh, legal sports betting in Kansas. We got more than we left last we, time. We got it all. Um, and we got whatever it is that Cliff Kingsbury has been waiting <laughs> four to five years <laughs> to show the entire NFL. See, here's how you here's how you try to to deny um the league's most talented quarterback. I, fellas, I think in all my years covering the Chiefs, this is probably the most fascinating opener that I can think of. Outside of maybe, and I mean, we, I think we all probably knew Patrick was good. Maybe we didn't know he was this good in 2018 when they played the Los Angeles Chargers, by the way, in a soccer stadium. Um, <laughs> I will never forget that Holly, Holly went to the game and it was just like, so you tell me not every stadium's like this. Cause this is really nice. And I was like, mm. <laughs> it'd be great for exclusivity, but no, 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 no. Um, so outside of that, I think this is the most compelling because the offense is different. The defense is different. They're coming off. All right. I'm going to say it for the last time, ladies and gentlemen, the team you root for had a cataclysmic collapse in the AFC <laughs> Championship game. So they're coming off of that. Uh, they are trying to reestablish themselves as perennial contenders against an opponent, fellas, that I cannot get my arms around. I no do, idea. I have Nothing no idea me. who this team is. Like, no clue. Like, the Cardinals could be really, really good on Sunday. They could also be embarrassing. Like, the range of the opponent as an added element, it's just, it's just crazy. Cause I know like, I know Vance Joseph is a good defensive coordinator. Doesn't mean they're going to play well on defense. Cause they have nothing to go on. Um, Hey, Cliff Kingsbury boy. I tell you what, in September, the man's a football coaching God. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's when, it's when like, you know, those adjustments and like the Bowl weather season, the, the weather gets cold and your quarterback is going through, you know, a couple nagging injuries and, you know the receiver Been that's playing too many video games. Yeah, and the, <laughs> and the receiver that's all world. You know, 
He had an injury last year. He's also suspended to start this season. So again, who the hell knows what we have? Um, I don't think there's ever been a season opener like it. Seth, how's this making you all feel? The Cardinals started off last year seven and zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I, honest to God, did not know that. I knew they start off pretty well, and then the year before they started off two and zero, and then five and two. And so Cliff has like, he's done some stuff. I mean, although in the year before, did he coach them in 2019? I can't remember. What year was he appearing in front of that ridiculous house? Um, <laughs> that was the home. I mean, that was the, the COVID draft. That was the COVID draft. He was at home. Yeah. So. That was like, that was one of the funniest and most <laughs> obvious flexes I've ever seen in my life. That and was just a like, well-executed one too, to be clear. Oh, I, no, no. It oh, worked. Yeah. You know what? I should be clear because it sounds like I'm hating. no. That's all a compliment. Mm-hmm. That was like, wow, well executed. Oh, no, I, I'm just always sitting here in my living room that's the size of some stadiums. <laughs> oh, what a lovely view of my estate, because that was not a lawn. That that was an estate. So I, it is interesting because we don't know who the Cardinals are. You know, last year, if I recall, after the first, like, you know, five or six weeks, people were like, oh, Kyler Murray, MVP candidate. Who knew? And then wheels fell off a little bit. And it turns out maybe DeAndre Hopkins, MVP candidate. Um, so I also don't know who they really are on defense. Because, well, J.J. Wappy played. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Chandler Jones is gone. And their defense has kind of revolved around those dudes. I mean, like last year was just Watt. You know, it was his first year with them. But Chandler Jones has been like their guy. And also, there's the whole thing that, Nate, you alluded to. We have absolutely no idea for the first time in four years what the Chiefs offense is going to look like. Like, in terms of, like, I assume it'll be good. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what they're going to do, like, the Chiefs could come out in 12 personnel, like 40% of their snaps, and it wouldn't shock me. They could come out running five wide, and it wouldn't shock me. And pretty much anything in between. And so I feel like we get a chance, like, finally after an offseason, we've heard all offseason, two high shells, two high shells, Vic Fangio shells, the NFL is changing, it's going a certain direction, this, that, and the other thing. And now Andy Reid has had a full offseason, because remember, they had to adjust midseason to teams fully selling out to this Like, nope, we are never, ever, 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 ever going to blitz. And we are never going to play with a single high unless we're the Raiders and want to lose by 40. (laughs) Like, those kids are never not funny to me. With Jonathan Aros as your deep safety. Oh, that was so bad. Oh, that was, those games were so rough last year. Um, And so anyway, but everyone was playing them similarly. Everyone took their cue from, okay, we saw the <coughs> man every time. My all just three of us are flimmy so. today, so just to, there's just a little flim warning for you on the front allergies. end. Allergies, yeah. yeah. Um, so the I think the whole world saw, and obviously Tampa Bay's pass rush played a huge role in this. But the whole world saw the difference in trying to play the Chiefs with single high coverage, whether you're man zone, whatever. The first time the Chiefs played the Bucks in 2020, and then the second time they played the Bucks in 2020, where they're like. Ah, we're probably instead going to be a lot more conservative. So that's how everyone played them. And the Chiefs had to adjust to teams selling out. Didn't matter what kind of... The Ravens, Wink played differently. Mm. Like, you know what? That's like saying Spag stopped sending eight on third down. (laughs) Like, that never, ever happens. So the whole NFL sells out to completely stop Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the whole thing. And then about mid-season... If you go and look at the Chiefs' efficiency stats after their bye, basically, and when they stopped, like, dropping passes into the hands of defensive players every right, other play, right? you look at their efficiency stats, first in the league, again. And now Andy Reid's had a full offseason, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do, and I have no idea what it's going to look like. So I'm excited. 
there's obviously a million things to pick from, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and try to just like have us do some big picture stuff here in the first half of the show, and then we can look ahead to the Cardinals a little more on the backside. But you guys have both written a, a ton uh, in this last week or so. Uh, you've got the, the Chief of the North newsletter, of course, where you can get a lot of Seth's work, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I'm going to go ahead and say in advance, I'm not going to make you give your over-unders out here because I feel like if you find out that this is a good way to drive traffic to the newsletter, you're going to start making picks every week. And so I want to see if that experiment works out for the, uh, I don't know, semi-Nazarene to just be giving out the best gambling advice anywhere in the Chiefs kingdom. I like that idea very much. Uh, but you, Oh, do people oh, actually gamble on that? No, 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 no. No, I'm kidding. No, That's... Not sport, no not on sports. Uh, and then on The Athletic, of course, you've got everything that Nate does right there at TheAthletic.com. And Seth, you've also gotten back into the swing on the yes. pages of The Athletic. So uh, what, I, what I've done here, I have a very impressive legal pad next to me that just has pretty much every topic that you guys have written about over the course of, of these most recent stories. And there are at least a couple of places where you're looking in the same direction at the same topic, uh, which makes me think that it's a pretty big deal. One of those places, and frankly, one of these places several times over, is the the general youth of the defense. Um, and Nate, I know you're also writing more about that in in terms of what the Chiefs will do against Kyler Murray, right? But Nate, you've you've written about the the defense many times this offseason, Most recently, about in, in the sort of preview that they're going to need to create some takeaways as this youthful defense. Um, Seth, you have gone out to say that there are going to be some rough moments with this young defense. Plus, um, what does that mean for guys like Nick Bolton, who Seth has a bold prediction on that I actually love? Uh, what does it mean for guys like Justin Reed, Nate, who we heard from today? Uh, heard from yeah, heard from today actually. Yeah, and we we heard from Chris Jones recently. We've heard from Nick Bolton a few times, but but whenever they're talking about how they corral this young defense, we also heard from Spags today in, in a really good midseason form. Steve Spagnuolo press conference. Uh, so there's a, a lot to unpack there. But Nate, why don't why don't you start us off with with what it is that it makes this defense so compelling? And really, a lot of people listening right now probably know why the Chiefs' defense is young and interesting and has all these draft picks. But where are you now on what it's going to look like when they actually have to play a live NFL game on Sunday? Yeah, so much of it comes down to does the speed and athleticism translate to better overall play? Um, because, and, and by the way, historically, Spags defenses get better throughout the course of the season, which is, by the way, what you want. Like, mm-hmm. you want to be god-awful on week two against Lamar Jackson in the hopes that, like, hey, you'll be championship ready in January like they were in the 2019 season. The difference here is that they appear to be both younger and faster. Younger and more athletic. Younger and probably, maybe, they can get their hands on the ball more or be just in the general vicinity of being able to make a play. Um, so much of this is is fascinating because Kyler Murray – in particular in September, loves to run around um, because he's healthy and he's had a whole offseason <laughs> to sort of, you know, get those legs going. Um, he might have to do that more just because if the secondary is as good as I think it can be, then maybe there's not as much separation from the receivers, which means you might have to extend some plays, which could be both good and bad. The good is, is that, hey, it gives the defensive line – more chances to sort of, you know, get after him if the secondary is doing their job. And then negatively, if you miss one open tackle, my God, Kyler Murray can burn you in September. So, you know, the story that I wrote today references what they did against Lamar Jackson. Um, Kids, if y'all remember, it wasn't pretty, particularly in the second half where they just said, hey, hey, Lamar, just, just go do your thing. And it was fascinating to me, Josh, that Steve Spagnuolo, un, you know, basically without being asked, compared Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson. Yep. So in a lot of ways, he's already telling us, yeah, dog, I'm having nightmares. Because if, <laughs> if we don't get home and we don't create turnovers and we miss tackles, that translates to like a shootout that can go either way, which basically is what happened in week two last year. Um, I just think it's I just think it's fascinating because Spagnolo knows that takeaways are the best thing for Mahomes. But the mm. easiest way to get turnovers is by having experienced players who won't mess up. So that when the turnover play can occur, you're usually in the right position to make that play. 
with rookies like, you know, George Karloftis or Trick McDuffie, Brian Cook may be on the field. Um, I don't know if anybody else has said this on a audio medium. Leo Chanel might play more snaps than any of us are ready for. It will be more than I'm ready for because I'm not ready for very many, I don't think, because it makes me nervous in a way that the rest of this defense being young doesn't make me nervous. I don't know. What, that, I, Leo Chanel, for me, is the exact line of young and I feel good to uh, young and I am worried. I don't know that that's even fair, but it's where I'm at. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is the particular matchup for Leo Chanel, but Leo it Chanel. It would be the one that I would pick. <laughs> Leo Chanel might play. Might be, I don't know. Look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Again, there's rules to this. We're in the regular season. I can only say so much. But, fellas, it would not surprise me if Leo <laughs> Chanel plays more in earlier than we all anticipate. I wonder, they're not, well, you can't answer this. They, they can't me. possibly me, be Seth. thinking, <laughs> Josh, they can't possibly be thinking of utilizing Leo Chanel in a spy role. Oh! Because, <laughs> because you know, up! You know, Seth, I, I think that there is a, a chance that they could. I'm obviously not out of practice anymore. I got afternoons in the middays, you know, so I'm not I, I'm not uh, I'm not out there. So I couldn't speak to that from experience. But I, I heard a noise just a second ago that made me think that they might be considering that. <laughs> I, uh, I just uh, uh, Brian Cook exists as well. Just just want yes, to throw that out. Brian there. Cook does exist. He's on so, the right side of my youth versus nerves line. So Seth, you, your 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 prediction here is that there there will be rough moments. With this young defense, yeah. I want you to unpack that as much as you want, and also, I, that also doesn't scare me. There will be there will be growing pains. Yeah. Spag said uh, the phrase "baptism by fire" today. I'm they, I'm okay with that. I am worried about that happening in week one, though. So walk yeah. me through it. The the one thing, something that I was kind of spooked about with this defense is the last couple of years we've seen promising young players like Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton and Juan Thornhill kind of take a back seat to veterans that we were like, huh. And, or people made other noises, honestly. I like that we're becoming the noise podcast. <laughs> um, Official Chiefs podcast of making noise as yeah. an analysis. And so, so, like, the idea that they are, like, they're just going completely contrary. Like, everything we knew about Spags, you know, the last three years was like, oh, yeah, he favors veterans, definitely was. And this year he's like, nah, we're going to play the young guys a lot. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. And all the young guys, every last one of them um, that, that I watched in terms of the guys that you think might get playing time, all of them at least played decently in pre- like Didn't look like the game was too big for them. Some of them, um, Karloftis, McDuffie especially, played really well. Um, Jalen Watson played really well. And Brian Cook, that dude can move. By the way, as far as a spy goes, if it's Kyler Murray, I'm really down on the idea of Leo Chanel being a spy. Great downhill speed. I feel like Kyler Murray will make him do the Lord's Prayer if they get caught in space. <laughs> um, who who did that happen to? Lamar Jackson did that to some poor soul uh, on the Chiefs. Yeah. I can't even remember who it was, but it was. I don't remember either. It, and no one even. It was like it was like Men in Black. It was so bad that it actually erased our yeah. memory of that no player. One, it was actually it was actually like yeah. Jim Johnson. <laughs> That's not a linebacker the Chiefs. Ever it, and it just no one even blamed the player because it's like one of those guys like a defensive end. I think it's like ah, okay, yeah, you're not supposed to be out there in space. Chanel's change of direction and Kyler's quickness don't seem to mix. Although I got to think if Leo Chanel gets two fingers on Kyler, he's going to bring him down. Like <laughs> yeah. I like I, I'm actually kind of afraid for Kyler. Like and he's been avoiding hits his whole career. He'll be fine. But like get out of bounds, dude. Like one of them because I, I don't know if he's seen some of the clips of how Brian Cook hits people in college too. Like they light people up. I I'm nervous about. Young guys, because young players, what we know about young players, especially on defense, they tend to have ups and downs their rookie season. And that's an almost universal truth for all. Like, if you're a good rookie, you have ups and downs. If you're a, a normal rookie, you have mostly downs. And we don't want the rookies to have downs on the same day because they are relying on, at the very least, three different rookies, probably four, to play a large number of snaps. And that's what makes me nervous about the defense in terms of inconsistency. The only way they're going to avoid that kind of inconsistency is if they have three guys for the second year in a row 
played an unusually high and unusually consistent level for rookies. And that's just, you can't catch lightning in a bottle like that two years in a row, right? I wouldn't want to be the one holding the glass in the thunderstorm there, personally. No, I I think that seems... That seems challenging, but also I I find myself still being very high on what this defense will look like in December or whatever. You know, like I by by the the end result of this project, I think is going to be great. Um, it just seems like there might be like paint and clay and broken glass everywhere early on. Um, but I I don't know, man. I'm kind of buying a little bit the idea that it, that there will be enough. Um, let's get biblical. Enough uh, storm settlers out there on the boat, you know, <laughs> to kind of calm some of the waves down. Uh, and, and that's something else you read about, Nate, specifically from two of the plays. That, you didn't write about the Bible analogy that I just pulled. Oh, I um, wish I did, though. Two, I, you, feel free to use it now if you want. Um, you, you wrote about two of the players, though, that I am, like, word associating with potentially being on the boat and telling the waves to calm down, uh, being Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, and you wrote about the importance of, of those two. Yeah. Um, again, Spags talked about them today. Reed actually talked today. But... Uh, it seems like like Spags is really relying on Juan Thornhill to know what the bloop is going on. That that was sort of the read that I got from one of the clips today. Yeah, and you know, this is this is compelling and fascinating because, you know, this might be again, might this might be the best defense that Justin Reed has ever played on. Um with a with a star role available to him uh at the safety position. Um with Spagnolo, you know, whether he's done it with Brian Dawkins, whether he's done it with Tyron Matthew, like he has that, he has that chance. And then for Juan Thornhill, of course, we all know he's entering a contract year and he wants to demonstrate that he's fully, you know, regained his athleticism, the power in his legs from the ACL injury that he had at the end of his rookie season. So in a lot of ways, much of this season comes down to can the Chiefs get home and can they limit explosive plays? Like, again, how many times did we see Tyron Matthew, who felt like he did his responsibility right, but someone was giving up a, a, a deep touchdown? Or, hey, maybe we were in the right coverage, but we didn't execute at a high enough level, and so we're just giving up explosive plays all over the place. You know, Kyler Murray is one of the best at those, um, at, at those type of plays. Um, maybe more so than Lamar Jackson in some in some ways, just because he he has better he has a better collection of receivers around him, in my opinion. Um, and also one of their one of their receivers from the Ravens is is, is now a Cardinal um, and Hollywood Brown. So I I get the sense that both of these guys are capable tacklers, but they need to get their hands on the ball. And one of the things that I felt was most interesting as we talked before if the defense is supposed to generate pressure and get turnovers Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed have to get their hands on the ball that's what made Tyron Matthew so such a success early on in his time in Kansas City and the comparable that I think is a stretch and I wonder how you feel about this Seth but the comparison, I think, is a stretch that might be somewhat attainable is what Justin Poirier and Micah Hyde did last year with <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. The Bills last year had the best defense because they had the best safeties. They that were was... not they were not great at getting to the quarterback last year, kids. They generated turnovers because their safeties generated turnovers. Their safeties didn't give up explosive plays, so guess what? The Bills were always in these games. Um, even with Tyree Kill on the field until, well, you know, um, just one of the greatest postseason games of all time. But in my opinion, as much as I harp on Matt Milano's Hall of Fame candidacy, the real reason the Bills were great last year is because of their safeties. And in a past happy league, I think that's that can be part of the Chiefs' success. I think that is absolutely accurate. And I would say that uh, for Chiefs fans... <clears throat> as I become Flemmy again, you can actually see a a slightly different example of that. If you go back in time, um, way back in time, uh, to when the Chiefs had Ron Parker, uh, who, who was an underrated safety. So un- the most underrated safety of hi- in history, which I know is a is a, <laughs> uh, a 
What, what, what's the word for jumbo shrimp? I can't think of the word right now. I don't know. My mind's blinking. Where it's, uh, it doesn't make sense. The other, the other ones of it, I, I can't. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. It's guys. hard to be the most. It's hard to be the most underrated because you would eventually be properly rated. But in Ron Parker's case, he's not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys aren't going to help me with what the word would be for calling something a jumbo shrimp. An oxymoron. Good God. That's an what oxymoron. I am because there, okay, because I, I was sorry. I was apparently making a smoothie with that's, oxyclean earlier, and now I'm a moron. So. Do you guys? I'm so sorry, man. Just that's right. I snorted some oxy, you. and now I'm a moron. Just that's what it hung was. you completely out to dry, and I feel badly about it. Hey, first game mistakes even here, guys. Yes. No, I mean, no, you were like jumbo shrimp. I was like, what are you talking, talking about? about? I, I know, like, dude. I could look. If I could have thought of a word, I wouldn't have needed any if help. You'd have said if you'd have said civil war, I would have gotten that. That's <laughs> oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because you can't have a civil never war about that's civil. You know. Sure. No, that no, that makes um, sense. I just had no jumbo shrimp. That I I was so far like you right, man. you could have given me a million years and I would have sat here with a befuddled look on my face. There were three different groups of people listening to that last minute of the show. There was the group of people who went oxymoron and then then they just sat there seething. Then there are people who went, "Oh God, I can't think of it either." Um, and then there are people who are just so blindly confused that they were yeah. that they rewound it to figure out what what hard drugs I had done to get us to that point. Um, <laughs> so thanks to all of you for making it through that minute. Back to you, Seth. Thank you. So do you guys remember when the Chiefs had Eric Berry? And Ron Parker and Hussein Abdullah when Barry was at the height of his powers. Yes. That was the tandem. Actually, Sanders Cummings played pretty well for a little while there, too. Let me tell you. Sanders Um, Cummings. That was that's a deep pull. He he didn't, but he looked awesome before he got hurt every time. Anyway, so that safety trail, so like 2013, 2014-ish, Abdullah and Parker and Barry all being very good. And Barry, obviously, he's a guy that's going to get lost in history. His peak, I went back actually recently and watched a few games. His peak was unbelievable. He, like, just unbelievable. He was an elite free safety and an elite, like, linebacker. Like, it was crazy. But anyway, so Parker was an excellent free safety, but him and Barry could interchange. And Abdullah was a guy who you could line up in the slot. You could line up at free safety. You could line up basically anywhere. And that was really one of the first three safety things that that I saw. And that's one thing I'll give credit to Bob Sutton for. He kind of beat the rest of the NFL to that. Now, I think it was kind of by necessity because the cornerback situation was um, fluid, mm-hmm. as it were. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it was an interesting thing. And because Abdullah could cover slot guys, it, it gave them some interesting options, similar to what they did with Matthew the last few years. Um, but he really seemed to be ahead of the curve with that regard. And some of those defenses were pretty good, I think, largely because of personnel. But also he recognized that, that when you have three safeties that are good in coverage and good against the run and rangy, like just good players, it really opens up possibilities for the rest of your defense because you can stay strong against the run without giving up stuff against the pass, like what you usually have to do with certain linebackers. And it allows you more flexibility in disguising coverages if you have three safeties that like I can run any of them in any spot in quarters or I can roll one of them into a rabbit. Like you can do all sorts of goofy stuff. And that's where I think Spags has liked to try to live. And I think when the defense has been at its best, um, you know, like 2019 with when Thornhill, Matthew were, were both playing really, really well. And, and this is before Dan Sorensen lost that step that he couldn't afford to lose and was a competent third safety. And then, so that's why they had to slide Kendall Fuller into that role because it was necessary. So mm-hmm. that would be the example, like as much as the Bills last year, and I think that's a great example too. If you've got a couple or three, especially good safeties, it allows you to do a lot of things creative, t- creatively on defense. And that's one reason why with Juan Thornhill already in house, with them signing Justin Reed, they said, we need a third safety, like now. It's not just to maybe replace Thornhill down the stretch because that's not... Cook isn't a pure free safety like Thornhill is. It's because you need three guys, and it opens up so many things elsewhere. So I'm excited to see that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of ground to cover and not a ton of time, so I will just say that, Seth, I really like your Nick Bolton uh, bold prediction. I think that that is, I don't know if it's likely odds that you would find some. I don't think this is necessarily a thing you could bet on. But uh, I like the, I like that one a lot, and I think we're going to be talking about Nick Bolton. Justin Reed and Steve Spagnuolo today in pressers basically cut a promo for Nick Bolton. They both did it. I think Justin Reed called him the smartest linebacker he's ever played with. Holy cow. Um, and that makes sense because Nick Bolton's in year twelve as a uh, NFL right. Starter, I mean right? he's I mean he's uh, Fred Warner. I mean yeah you know. right yeah he's he's been out there for a while. And, he, if, uh, if this man turns into Fred Warner this year, I'm going to whoo. There's I, no, I, I've there's been no wrong way he can so live up to this hype. I just I feel like it's there's got to be a ceiling there somewhere. But you realize he was he was born a week before my little brother. I have to go. <laughs> I have to leave. That's, that's rough when those moments start. Let me tell you, and they just get worse. Just for the record, when it's like, man, I'm older. Thankfully, Tom Brady is saving me from a lot of heartache in terms of being older wow. than you know everyone in the league. Um, okay, sorry, that one just really caught me off guard. <laughs> but like. With with Bolton, he was a part-time player last year, and he was still right at the top of the NFL in tackles for loss, like stuffs at the line of scrimmage uh, or, or for loss. That's so hard to do. And he he went from a bullseye in his back in coverage to solid, not great, but solid in coverage in during the season. That's so weird. Yep. And so now, I'm, now, just, I'm here he's, for it. Now he's going to be Leonard. He's just going to turn into, he's going to be a, a combination of Ray Lewis, Leonard, and <laughs> Warner. <laughs> oh, good. At least we're not setting our sights too high. You know, you know. Look, man, if here, this is where I legit think there was something to things from today. If anybody in that building was afraid of overhyping Nick Bolton, they haven't been for a while uh, because it keeps happening publicly. Here's one piece of relevant news. Uh, Sanders Cummings, only for about a week, but uh, literally for a, about a week, was a member of the uh, Atlanta Braves farm system. Really? Wow. Yeah, he was drafted out of high school to play baseball by the Diamondbacks, went to Georgia instead, had a couple of years with the Chiefs, and then tried baseball. So, okay. Just I just learned that, and I thought everybody would, would like to know that a little bit. Yeah. Not a lot, but just like a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, we got to push over to the offensive side so we can also look at the, the, the Cardinals through that lens as well. Um, Seth, I'm going to let you lead off on the offensive side. Because two of the things you wrote about on TheAthletic.com, which you can go read right now, and one subscription to The Athletic gets you everything on The Athletic. I've been listening to more of The Athletic Football Show recently as well. Just such good stuff all the way through. Yeah, um, man. So if you haven't checked that out, go go do that now. Um, but, but Seth, two of the things that you, you touched on seem, if not a little bit at odds, maybe they're in perfect harmony. I'm not sure. Uh, it is the idea of wide receiver by committee mm-hmm. and also the Chiefs finding their go-to guy. 
Um, it, it, walk through those parts of, of where the offense right now leaves you excited, where it leaves you asking some questions, um, how many moving parts there are within all of this. Um, and then, Nate, I've got a very specific follow-up for you. Sure. You just you just hold your horses till Seth's done. <laughs> so the, the Chiefs, they, they look like they are... Well, they don't just look like it. They haven't tried to replace Tyreek Hill. Everyone knows it. You can't replace Tyreek Hill guy for guy. Fair enough. So what they've done is they've tried to replace his production, replace his role through multiple guys. And hopefully if every one of those guys can do the job, say 90% as well of those specific niche things, then maybe you're going to be fine, right? Maybe even better off because it's multiple guys instead of just one guy. Because one guy, no matter how great, can only threaten one part of the field on any given play. Right. So in mm-hmm. theory, if you're threatening shallow, intermediate and deep with three different guys, instead of just trying to do it various plays with one guy. Hey, look, it's harder to cover. Um, I think it's interesting. The Chiefs are keeping five guys, just five guys. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting that Chiefs fans and I think myself, honestly, after watching preseason. Are comfortable with any of those five guys being on the field. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to, I think, be. And we'll see how it's gone because, like, you know, some of the guys that have left the Chiefs um, that got a ton of snaps last year in Pringle and Robinson haven't really shown out in their new locales. And it Robinson's on team two of the offseason. Yeah. And, right. and I'm not, you know, that's not pot shots at anyone. I'm grateful for everything yep. those guys did. But I think we may be about to discover how deep the drop off was at wide receiver two, wide receiver three, in terms of like, there's a legitimate chance McCole Hardman could be wide receiver four by the middle of the year. Whereas last year he was two and that was it. And and then the drop-off was significant after him. So I think they've clearly committed to this approach and I'm excited to see what it looks like. But there's also a lot of moving parts there, like you intimated, because they don't know who that guy is going to be in crunch time. It's been Kelsey and Hill. That's it. Like those are their guys. And... You need someone that you can count on when you're a Super Bowl contender. It doesn't just come down to replacing production over the course of a year, right? Like if they replace Tyreek Hill's production or even better it, let's say they're a more efficient offense all year, but in the AFC championship, it's third and 10 and there's 45 seconds left in the game and you need a conversion and they are doubling Kelsey like crazy and they're pressing everyone at the line. Who's going to get open? Someone's got to. And last year, besides Hill, no one could. And that's so they had two go-to guys, guys that could create openings, create yardage, create a catch, a play when things weren't going wrong. One of the reasons that AFC Championship game was so bloody at the end, Mahomes played really badly in the second half, but Hill and Kelsey didn't come through the way they normally do, and no one else could. That's problematic. Now, okay, who is it going to be this time? Because you assume teams are going to go after Kelsey. Is it Juju? Is it MVS? Is it Sky Moore? Is it Justin Watson or McCole Hardman? You know, I mean, who is it going to be? And that's a question they need to answer because when you're a Super Bowl contender, again, it doesn't just come down to how you do over the course of the entire year. It comes down to that third and 10 in the fourth quarter. And that matters so much more for a team like the Chiefs than a team like the Jets. Nate, I will give you the opportunity if Seth said anything egregious or in the unlikely condition that maybe he said something very, very smart, I will allow you to respond. <laughs> then I have a fall. I want to I totally, I want to I tweak the direction of the offense. Um, but if you know who the number one guy, who the go-to guy is right now, deep in your heart of hearts, I do want to know that. Um, based on experience and the connection of training camp, and this was not translatable in the preseason, but it should be Juju Smith-Schuster, in my opinion. The fun part is Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy have three players: Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez Cantlin, and Mark, you know, McCole Hardman. Excuse me. They have three players that they can scheme in one-on-one deep routes, and that hasn't happened since 2019 when Sammy Watkins was healthy. So. I don't know how explosive they'll be. It really comes down to those three players in certain matchups on certain down and distances against, you know, what we assume will be similar coverages to last year. But the overall goal, as Seth mentioned, is to be a more of 
like consistently efficient offense um, to where you don't have to rely so much on one particular player or, or two, I should say um, to get you through, you know, all these difficult situations. His question about the postseason, well, we'll have 17 games to really find that answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think but I think the I think the guy who's gonna have the most opportunities early will probably be Juju. So one thing that, that came up today in Pressers, that's something you wrote about in the article that came out before all this, Nate, but something that Eric Bienemy said, I I think unprompted. I think this was sort of his pivot uh live. I, I can't remember for sure. You were in the building, I was I was listening live here from the station. But Eric Bieniemy made the point that this has been a lot of talk of turnover and like chaos and things changing this offseason. But the entire offensive line is back. Yep. And the entire offensive line was good. And I think if we're going to talk about currently underrated players, I think Andrew Wiley is on that list. I think by yep. just being like a grown up right tackle, he has been not Mitch Schwartz to some people, which is. I wouldn't want to be compared to Mitchell Jordan saying anything. <laughs> That's not what I would want. Um, so I imagine he probably doesn't either. But you, Bianami making that point today was fascinating to me because he made a good one. It's that the quarterback and the O-line and the Hall of Fame tight end are all exactly the same as they were last year um, in terms of personnel and consistency. And now they have one position group totally, totally overhauling. And you wrote about the O-line as a collective having a, a team MVP case to make, and I loved that angle. Um, w- tell me a little bit about why why you think it's important to focus in on the uh, consistency on the O-line, what you heard from BNME to that extent today, and uh, and how you might begin sawing up an MVP trophy into five little pieces. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, make part- it six. I think Nick Allegretti deserves, like, if it's a World Series trophy, he's going to deserve, like, a flag, <laughs> you know, at least. Right, and and look, they have a six lineman package that includes Nick Allegretti. Just mm-hmm. saying, the guy. Yeah. So, all this is to say is Patrick Mahomes, in his greatest moment of his career, asked a critical question to Eric Bieniemy: Do mm. we ha- do we have time? Like, do I do I have time? Or is Nick Bosa going to kill me? Um, yeah. he may have more time now than ever before. Even mm. even with the changing skill position players around him. Um, mm. You could make an argument that, yes, they don't have the one-of-one one that is Tyreek Hill, but they have a deeper collection of capable and talented skill position players. So when you combine the two and then add to the equation, you know, just the league's most talented quarterback in the prime of his career, the offensive line could be the sole reason that like the chiefs are back to being perennial contenders back to being the team that everybody has known them for in a very different context. So what Eric being I assure you wants to happen is that Vance Joseph gets so frustrated because whether it's JJ Watt or whoever on the defensive line, because they cannot get home or because Mahomes has time to sort of operate, reset his feet, look to the left. Now I'm looking to the right. There's the open receiver that at some point you have to break character and you say, well, you know what? Let's blitz. And then of course Mm. that leads to one-on-one matchups for Sky Moore, McCole Hartman, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. Everything this year is really built upon the quarterback and the offensive line, which was so different from last year where they were trying to build everything around the please let this work out because we got two rookies and like you just never know. They 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 benefited so much from scouting Creed Humphrey and getting Trey Smith in the end of the draft um, that it sort of changed the the course of, you know, hey, this offense can be more consistent. They're going to have a chance to be more balanced because the offensive line can work together in tandem through chemistry and through another year together. And I know people are excited and I know people are like tempered in their enthusiasm, but if Clyde Edwards, Alaire or Isaiah Pacheco can make the first guy miss, can give you a legitimate threat from the running back position then all of a sudden this team might be the 2018 Los Angeles Rams. 
because if you look back at their because if you look back at their film and I've done this yes Todd Gurley was a superhuman okay and I'm not asking you're not asking that from Isaiah Pacheco or from Clyde Rosler by the way Cream Hunt existed in 2018. By the way, quietly why that game was so incredible was because <laughs> the running backs were great too. Um, but what what the Rams could do is they could line up in any formation, whether it was 12 or 13, and just say, hey, you know what we're going to do? Doesn't matter. Our offensive line is great. Guess what? Jared Goff's going to complete this. Hey, play action. Sorry, here's all these crossing routes. Hey, here's all these deep overs. Sorry, here's a corner route one-on-one. Our guy's going to win. Because the Chiefs have added more size to their receiving position through Juju and through Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. Um, I just wonder if it's new, and this is a big, big, big if, and maybe they'll show it in, against Arizona, maybe it'll take time. But if they get to November, where it's like real, real football, and they're just like, we're just going to line up, and I'm sorry, like, you don't have any advantages. It sounds crazy because the advantage was always Tyreek Hill. And I've tried to remind everybody last year that the advantage was Travis Kelsey, that every play started with Kelsey. Well, now this year, they don't have to do that because if the offensive line gives Patrick Mahomes time, he will find the open receiver. Uh, There's a lot of stuff you guys have written about that is on this beautiful legal pad of mine that we will not be getting to here in today's show. I'm going to cover a couple of them as a little... Uh, appetizer or maybe just a a look at the menu for people who are thinking I need to go read this stuff before the game Um, yeah please do because Nate has has a question about Chris Jones whose name I didn't mention until we were in crunch time of this podcast because I knew Seth wouldn't be able to contain himself unless we're at the very end of the show (laughs) both of you have written about the backup tight ends, and particularly Fort Season. Uh, that is available across, again, both Seth's stuff in The Athletic and the Chief of the North newsletter. Everything Nate does is up on The Athletic. Um, we've got uh, the Mahomes Scorched Earth mode uh, from Seth. <laughs> that is there as well. Seth, I know you've also written about the running game and the O-line and all of that, but we are at the end of our time for this show. I want to make sure we all get something on the record here for how we think Chiefs Cardinals is going to go. You can give a score prediction if you want. I'm not going to hold anybody to their final scores, but I want to know how you feel about this game as the 2022 NFL season is so very close. Chiefs Cardinals is very nearly here. Seth, how do you feel? What are you looking for like in keeping an eye out for? But then also, what are you expecting? I am keeping an eye out for a lot of stuff. Nate just talked about offensive design, the way that they adjust. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be 41 to 24. I think they come out guns blazing in that first game. I don't think the Cardinals defense is quite up to snuff. And I think without potentially more and Hopkins, that's going to be tough for Kyler. But I do think we're going to have just enough moments to make us worry about the defense. So that'll be fun all week. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I just the the thing I'm I'm most interested in um, the running back usage who's utilized how they whether or not they're going to stick with between the tackles a lot of insert gap power stuff or whether or not Andy just can't help himself and starts going back to to some of these inside and outside zone looks um, I want to keep an eye on Jody Fortson his snap count because that is forever and ever and ever and ever what I'm going to be looking at. And then obviously <clears throat> on defense, it'll be the young guys. I want to see how Karloftis, McDuffie, Cook, all those guys. Though I'm sure those are the guys whose, whose film I'm going to be reviewing next week. Um, that and maybe see what Carlos Dunlap has left in the tank. It, it's going to be fun. Nate, where you at? Right now I have Chiefs 27, Cardinals 20. Um, I think it could be a low-scoring game just because I think both – defenses will say please don't please don't throw the ball deep please <laughs> matriculate my friend <laughs> please matriculate please matriculate um look Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have not lost a season opener yet um they are generally very successful in September <sighs> again I could be flat out wrong I don't know what I had a real feel two years ago against the Texans and I felt like we all told the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, hey, dog, you ain't got no shot. We tried. We tried. Um, with Arizona, will they self-inflict? Mm. Because I think the Chiefs will probably be coached enough to have multiple options. And if a team feels pressure already um, and they might be down early, then – the Chiefs defense needs to really exploit some self-inflicted pain from the Cardinals, some some unforced errors. Um, 
but I'm just so I'm just so eager to see how the rookies perform, to see how much of what we watched in camp in the preseason is truly translatable when you start adding game planning, when you start adding a higher speed of the game, and you add the idea that like you've never done this <laughs> ever. Like whatever football game you've played, that's great and fine. It ain't this. Um, so if the rookies, if 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 some of the rookies do well, um, that will bode good for the for the rest of the season. Uh, I agree with everything you guys have said, pretty much uh, in uh, in every topic. So I'm just gonna say I'm I'm feeling like 34-21 would, would be kind of weird for them not to kick a field goal, but I kind of think if they start kicking field goals at any point, the game is over. Um, on the Cardinals' behalf, that is every, weird injuries, weird vibes from the Cardinals all off season. I, I think the Chiefs would would like to make a statement here, and I just keep as the week has gone on, I have felt better and better uh, about this game. Once again, go check out everything we did not get to talk about here in The Athletic, theathletic.com. Uh, also, Seth has the Chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, and uh, also some uh, young guy film reviews that I don't think we ever fully got to on this show either. So, so much to, to unpack, uh, both from, from Nate in The Athletic, Seth over in the newsletter, and Seth's new piece up on The Athletic as well. You can follow us all on Twitter, uh, at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan. I am at JB Briscoe. And without further ado, Nate, please send us into a game. No more talking, guys. No more talking. A whole offseason of chitting and chattering, of yinging and yanging. And I just think, man, it's great to have that 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 beautiful football cocaine that is the red zone. <laughs> just guys, enjoy it between the hours of, you know, if you're in central time, between the hours of noon to three o'clock. It's it is the most addictive thing in sports. And I also I'm just glad that we will have so much new things to talk about after this game. But one of the reasons I love the opener is everybody has their best case scenario thoughts. This is why we're going to be better. This is why we're going to, you know, do well. This is why we're going to surprise you. Um, but now, but now it's actually time to show it. And it's just you out there, you know? So for all the analysts, for us, for anybody who's, you know, giving you an opinion you don't love for anyone who's giving you something that you thought more, you know, who educated you in some ways. It's just great because it's just it's just the guys out on the field and who who performs well is what matters. And half of these teams are going to be 0 and 1. And that that sets things off in a very interesting way, because this league is just the league is just great. It's just just creating drama. And half of y'all are going to get on a bus or go home really, really upset. And usually, it hasn't been the Chiefs in that case. <laughs>